The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Cast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, first off, I'm going to do a little housekeeping. We haven't really been recording many new episodes. My father unexpectedly passed away last month, as well as an uncle of mine. So it kind of blew off a lot of my scheduled plans and other things I had going. I want to thank you all for hanging in there and coming back to check us out. This is going to be episode number 176 with the actress Hannah Levine, who is in the upcoming show Siren. She's been in episodes of Supernatural and The Magicians. Uh, talked Elvish in a Denny's commercial. I have to thank Hannah for taking the time to do this and allowing me to kind of mumble my way through. You listening will be able to tell us a little bit off my game. This was recorded about a week and a half ago, but hopefully here pretty soon we'll be back in the swing of things. Uh, since this episode was recorded, Hannah has changed her social media platform. So on Twitter, she's still available at, at Hannah Levine, and Levine is spelled L-E-V-I-E-N, but on other places, she is at Hannah Levine official, so her Instagram and Facebook are all there. At the end of this episode, when she gives out her, those addresses, those will be wrong, and I will drop in another piece there reiterating this point. So we're going to take a commercial real quick, and we'll come back with my interview with Hannah Levine. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us again. Um, I took most of February off after some uh, uh, fam- familial tragedies that you know necessitated more of my time. Uh, but it's March, February's over, and hopefully 2018 can get a fresh start. I am your host, Jeremy, and joining me today is Australian-slash-Canadian-slash-American actress, Hannah Levine. How you doing, Hannah? G'day, Jeremy. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm uh, sorry to hear you've had a bit of a bum start to the year hopefully it, it will only get better yeah I, I hope so if it gets worse i may just uh move to the moon or something so <laughs> i i do appreciate your thoughts though oh no worries hopefully yeah. that becomes an option one day just move to the moon yeah exactly yeah. just pick up and start <laughs> over um so hannah let's um i've seen you in a number of well you've been on sci-fi you just wrapped up a character on the magicians you've got a bunch of stuff coming up but let's talk a little bit about when you first got interested in acting and performing. Uh, how old were you when you took a shine to the performing arts? Well, funnily enough, the first thing I was ever cast in, uh, my parents have always been really into languages and the arts and stuff like that. And they, for some reason, when I was about four or five, they put me in German-speaking classes, which is really bizarre because we don't have any German heritage or anything, but... That's my parents' view. Mm-hmm. So so I was in taking German lessons on the weekend, five years old, 
they made me Mary in the Christmas play, the Jesus Story Christmas play of the concert. And of course, I had all this dialogue to learn in German. And I got completely, like, just had complete stage fright, couldn't learn the lines. And so then they made me the angel that didn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I was also one of the youngest in the cast, so I think that, like, really kind of threw me in the deep in there. But So that was a very failed attempt at starting to act. But then I was taking, like, just kind of weekend classes, like, around the age of 8 or 9 and 10, and I definitely felt, I mean, just in little shows and stuff that I was doing community, I definitely felt a freedom when I was – like, I, I didn't feel self-conscious when I was performing. I sort of felt like – I don't know. I definitely just felt a freedom on stage, I suppose. And that, I think, continued. And as I became, like, definitely by the age of 10, 11, 12, I was very – I just – I wanted to be an actor. And that was what I was going to do. And that was all I ever wanted to do from that point on. I was extremely determined, which is kind of odd, I think, at that age. But I think I just found this thing. And, yeah, that was it. You, you know, I hear that actually from a lot of people that I've interviewed. Interesting, when I, yeah. when I ask them, when, when did you take a shine? It's always way younger than you would think. Well, not always. Very often is way younger than you would think. I wasn't a TV actor from a young age, though. Like, Australia... Um, whilst we have a lot of well-known, very successful, fantastic actors, and there is so much talent there and really great training, I think, also. We don't have a huge film and television industry, so I I rarely met child actors in Australia that have grown up to be very successful. A lot of the actors that have done very well have gone through drama school. You know, they had normal high schooling and, and normal education. They weren't like, you know, you, you meet a lot of American actors that have been acting all through you know, mm -hmm. their lives on TV and commercials and making money from it and their parents driving them to set. Like, that wasn't really part of my experience. So when I say I was acting from a young age, I was doing theater, I was taking classes, I was auditioning in, for university programs. Uh, I never, like, of course, I hoped to work in film and t TV one day, but uh, I certainly didn't grow up doing that. Sure. So let me, I'm trying to think if I know any uh Famous Australian TV shows was it McMillan and Daughters. Uh, no, um, McLeod's Daughters. That's it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, McLeod's Daughters, Home and Away, Neighbors. I mean, we've had some Aussie shows do really well internationally now. Like I think Underbelly did quite well, and Rake, and uh, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of the one where the man dresses up as the dog? I don't, uh, I don't know, but it sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, the, and there's some comedy, Summer Heights High, and, uh, Please Like Me, Josh Thomas's show. Oh, um, actually, my wife, yeah. my wife, uh, is a big fan of that one. Please Like yeah, Me. So yeah. Some, some of the shows have been, have been gaining far more international recognition, which is great because there's a lot of talent and some of these shows are excellent. We don't have a huge industry. I know for a fact that you guys get a lot of uh, English television or, or uh, I, I don't mm -hmm. know what you call it, Commonwealth television because it's Scottish, we down there too. <laughs> When I found out that Are You Being Served had an actual remake done in Australia, I was blown away. That would have been a long, long time ago, though. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one, but you are right. We definitely have a lot of uh, British programming, and um, my parents are actually New Zealanders, so you could also say that I'm part New Zealand, for sure. Uh, you could add that into your introduction. Now, see, now I feel like <laughs> I, I, I left something out now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and I think New Zealand even more so has a bit more of a British television influence there. So I think especially growing up, I, I, my parents were playing a lot of, um, British kids shows and stuff like that. Paddington Bear and 
postman Pat. This probably sounds like I'm speaking another language. <laughs> Paddington Bear, postman Pat. Well, you know, these people. <laughs> well, so our my wife and I, our closest friends, the wife is from Scotland, and mm-hmm. they all watch British television for children. So we've actually yeah. seen a lot of this. Um, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. yeah. Like, um, you know, I, I'm really grateful that I grew up watching the shows I did. I think um, I feel like I – you know, my imagination was really expanded as a child. I, mm-hmm. I think one of my siblings read Lord of the Rings to me when I was about seven years old. And I I think that has really, you know, just growing up around stories like that, no doubt influenced me to want to sure. be a storyteller. So, did, I mean, now, were there any shows that you would say were instructive or developmental in your desire to be a storyteller or an actor? Well, after saying that, I do have to say probably my favorite show when I was about 10 was 90210. So I don't know if we can say that for sure. Okay. <laughs> but um, but I, I definitely really loved good cinema from an early age. Like one of the films that really made an impact on me when I was young was uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. And I must have seen that when I was about 10 or 11. And, you know, it was just such a – it was so – dramatic and passionate and the visuals were so engaging and I hadn't really seen anything that experimental I suppose as a child um, but I also really loved like Stand By Me uh, based on the Stephen King short story and some the lab uh, labyrinth some never-ending story films that really were quite fantastical but you know big high stakes, great design, and very fantasy rich. And I would say that definitely has stuck with me. And it's, I think it's kind of really, uh, you know, no wonder I'm in the kind of shows I'm in, really, when oh, yeah. I grow up loving stuff like that. Well, that's definitely, that's the, that is a question I'm going to ask in just a bit uh, about genre storytelling. But so mm-hmm. let's go from, uh, you know, now, Hannah, you, we've discovered that you like acting. This is something you're going to do with your life. What were some of the first roles you landed in Australia? And then after that, how did you end up leaving Australia to pursue this as a career? Well, I, so I played, I went through drama school, which was three years of uh, full-time acting training. And uh, I did that. And then after graduating, I booked, I think actually the first thing I booked was a horror movie that never got finished or it got shut down partway through filming. I think they blew the budget or something like that. And then I booked an indie, an Australian indie film called The Horseman, and that ended up doing really well at film festivals. It's, uh, it was written and directed by Stephen Castricius, who's a very talented Australian actor and produced uh, – sorry, actor. A very talented Australian director and writer. And it was produced by Beck Dakin, who is also a, a very successful Australian film producer. And, yeah, they played South by Southwest. They played uh, a bunch of festivals across the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia as well. I mean, it was it's pretty – it's very violent film, very rough. I played a daughter that um, – sort of teenage runaway daughter that gets wound up in – uh, the porn industry basically doesn't meet a happy ending. And my dad is basically avenging my death essentially through the film. So that film really, I think, started pushing open some doors in a sense. And then I was also doing a lot of theater after drama school. So I think the first professional theater gig I did very differently to The Horseman was a musical set in the 80s 
and I opened the show dancing around on a Rubik's Cube set, singing into a hairbrush, Kids in America, and the Rubik's Cube basically unfolded around me and I got carried around the stage on this Rubik's Cube. It was quite a, uh, quite an experience. It was kind of like being a pop star for a couple of months and uh, it was very, very fun, but nothing like, again, I, I never thought I'd be in musicals. I'm not a fantastic singer, mm-hmm. but uh, it was certainly a great experience and it was with one of the uh, well-known theatres in, um, in, in Australia, so you know, great opportunity to work with them. And basically, oh yeah, sorry, Gary. Oh no, no. So I was going to ask now. This actually, I'm going to have to ask two questions to hit this properly. So, so far at this point in your life, did you prefer stage or screen acting? You know, they're so different in a lot of ways, and I love things about both of them. I love really well written plays. I mean, you know, it's the Oscars tonight, and Martin McDonough's film Three Billboards is nominated, and I am, I just love that film, and I love have loved his plays for years. And there's something about theater, well written plays. It's like an orchestra. There's just voices and sounds, and uh, you know, all all kind of coming together. And there is a um a beautiful cacophony in a way of 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 opinions and, and words and dialogue that is just so wonderful to listen to and be a part of as an audience. And it's such an amazing experience and it's wonderful to be on stage and telling a story like that and being in the moment. And so I really couldn't say like, I think, I think where I've uh, had some struggles with theater is sometimes I don't like the material that theaters program. And when you are an actor working in theater, you're at the mercy of really what, what theatres decide to program. And if I don't like the play, then I don't really want to commit, you know, months of work to that Um, because theatre is often, it's often a labour of love. You know, I hate to say you don't get paid all that well, but that is true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And essentially I would rather work for free on a play that I love then kind of have to do a play that I don't think is very good and, and then I'm stuck doing it for months, <laughs> even though I'm getting paid for it. Does that sound terrible? No, not at all. Uh, that actually matches what I've heard from a lot of people is that they would – Oh, good. That, uh, you know, a handful that I – you know, I, I'm going to say a lot when really I mean like five people I've, I've asked that question to, but um, I've been told by multiple, though, like I'll take a television gig to bank money so I can do a summer doing stage. Yeah, 100%. There, yeah. It's, it's an absolutely amazing experience. And I take, I still take class to this day. And uh, as an actor, I, I do believe it's just like being in a gym. Mm-hmm. And I like being in class. I love working with teachers. And, um, you know, I will watch scenes being done in class from amazing plays. And it's such just so wonderful to listen to them and just listen to the dialogue and these stories. And oh, I just love it. But on the other hand, I really do love film and TV and the medium as well. I mean, I went to university and did my master's in filmmaking. I'm very passionate about cinema. Uh, so I really do enjoy working in that medium as well. It's it, There's just so many more parts to it that really aren't about the actor at all or about the story a lot of the time. And that's challenging, I think, when, when that is – my job is to tell the story, but that's not always the priority of the film, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, they both have their 
they both have so many different components to them, and I'm grateful to be able to work in both at times. Very good. So now how do you go from Australia to uh, the other hemisphere of the planet? So basically that really happened in a wonderful stroke of luck where I was essentially, I guess, headhunted by a manager in LA who'd seen me in, in a film, who'd seen The Horseman and who had sort of heard about me through other Australian actors he was meeting with and, uh, and just got in touch with me and said, you know, I've seen you in this film and I would love to start working with you. Are you interested in coming to the US? And I was kind of like, at that point, I was actually in film school learning about how to be a filmmaker as well. And I was acting at the same time, but I was, uh, you know, I felt like I was kind of dead. But in a way, like I was definitely focused on filmmaking at that exact point. This is in my, um, this school, I would say it's like early 20s. Uh, I was very ambitious, I guess, <laughs> and, uh, and driven at that point and passionate about film. And uh, anyway, this manager was just like, hey, do you want to come to the US? And I was absolutely shocked. And, and of course I said, yes, I'd visited LA before and I actually really love it as a city. Mm-hmm. And, and then that was that I was living there six months later, which was about seven, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. I mean, so, um, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you, I mean, do you, I guess your parents probably still live in Australia, so you probably go back there still, I imagine. Yes, I try to get home at least once a year. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a big family and I, I love being home. And Australia is an absolutely magical, beautiful place. And there's a real spirit and energy there that I love. So I definitely try to get home a lot. But I didn't really know that when I left that that would be it. Like when my mom said goodbye to me at the airport and, and all of that, I really did not. I had a feeling that maybe that would be it, that I wouldn't, that I was moving overseas for good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that point I really didn't know but that's basically what happened you know I I I really loved LA I started just getting amongst it and I loved the film culture there and that was it did you have to take any rotten jobs when you first got to LA to support your acting habit uh well not exactly I mean I was mainly just doing acting work though one job that I uh have had to well that I have done through a lot of my life is I've done a lot of children's birthday party entertaining. Okay. So, so there were, there will be families out there with multiple photos of me and albums. I'm sure as all sorts of characters like fairies and pirates and wonder women and, uh, basically anything you can imagine. (laughs) Well, did you have a favorite costume then? Um, who would have been my favorite? Uh, I kind of liked, I liked being the more boyish guy. Like, I liked being pirates. Um, and, uh, Wonder Woman was actually pretty fun. But, no, I think even no matter what character I was playing, I think I always, I never tried to be too proper. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I always tried to just be a bit wacky. <laughs> oh, very good. So then, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'll know the answer to this, but I, I will ask. Now, how do you go from Los Angeles to Vancouver? Well, I ended up coming up to Vancouver um, to do uh, some TV and, and film work as an actor. And then essentially I I just kept – like just more work kept coming while I was here. And uh, when I – at that point, I was ready – I mean, I love traveling. 
um, which is funny since I actually play a time traveler on The Magicians, but I'm a big traveler. I love I love exploring new places. I get itchy feet quite regularly to, to see new places, and I had some friends in Vancouver, and I really just I really loved the work-life balance. I loved uh, being able to get outdoors and hike and go to lakes and get in the snow, and it just kind of, like, I was going back and forth to L.A., and I still do go back and forth to L.A. Um, I get to New York quite a bit too, and uh, but I think as a base, it just seemed a little more, just a little more sustainable for me as an international person, I guess, you know, not, I'm not American. So, uh, I think I, I, I didn't have any bias, you know, towards one or the other. It's like, well, I'm just happy to be where, where I'm best able to work and live side by side. Yeah. And I think I love Vancouver. It's uh, one of my favorite cities. Oh, that's nice to hear. It is very beautiful yeah. and very livable. Yeah, it's um, we've only been once, but we're going back in a couple months here, and we're I'm just like waiting, just counting the days till we leave. So yes, yeah. it is. And and you said you were based where again? Uh, Central California. Oh yeah, so you, yeah. you know, it's like I love California. I just when I first I actually when I first came up to Vancouver, I just drove up. Uh, I was like, I'm just gonna, you know. Why not drive rather than fly? I'll just take my car up and then I'll have my car there the whole time and I can just do what I want. And I love road trips again. So just driving through California, it's, uh, absolutely love California. Yeah. Well, we lived in the Monterey Bay for 10 years, so I definitely prefer, uh, coastal weather because yes. you know, we're, we're inland where we live now and it gets, it's hotter and hell during the summer and freezing cold oh, during yeah. the winter. But Monterey yeah. Bay, it's 68 degrees year-round, which I just, I love, you know. It's beautiful there, that the whole part of the coast there. I actually really love Santa Cruz as well. Oh, so, uh, well, then if you know Santa Cruz, that's where we lived. Oh. We lived in Santa Cruz and Capitola. Oh, my gosh. my fa- Like, yeah. I just fell in love with Santa Cruz. It's painful that they don't film more things there or in San Fran because they're both just such wonderful places but it's probably for the best you know obviously we don't want the film industry to take over every town because it it creates absolute chaos but uh i'm a big fan of those areas love it well you know uh the lost boys was filmed in santa cruz yes that is right good point yeah i just i love coastal weather that's i mean that's one of the things i like about vancouver it's like being in san francisco los angeles monterey but and the streets are clean and you can see where the tax dollar goes, but beer is expensive. So it's kind of a trade off. Yeah, that's a definite trade off. And I do miss waves. Like growing up in Australia, you're just spoiled. The beaches just have you know, these just crashing waves and wild nature and it's so fantastic. And, and we don't have waves in Vancouver, but we do have beautiful coast and, and water and mountains. And I really can't complain. I'm no, <laughs> just listening to myself. Hannah, stop talking. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, um, I mean, you know, every place is home after six months and home kind of sucks, but you still have to look around on occasion and go, you know, it's not bad. It's, I'm doing all right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I am really fortunate to be able to travel. Like when I'm not shooting, I do try to get away. And I love getting down to Seattle and Portland as well. And there's so many beautiful spots off the coast today. Yeah. You know, you just, you keep naming every city that I love. It's, it's uh, kind of, it's kind of wild. <laughs> We have similar tastes, I guess. Yeah, it, it does appear that way. <laughs> well, and that's going to lead me to a question here. I noticed when going through your resume and your CV, you have a lot of genre, you know, horror and sci-fi and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. in, your, in your resume. 
is that intentional? Are those roles that you like? I mean, it sounded like it because you were a Lord of the Rings fan when you were kids. I have to imagine there is some part of you in picking those roles. Uh, that is funny, actually. I have forgotten. I, I did a commercial campaign when I was in the U.S. for Denny's where I actually play an, a waitress from Middle Earth. And I speak Elvish. <laughs> Get out, really? I am not even joking. It's so funny. I'd completely forgotten about that. And I was like, wait, Lord of the Rings. It was all meant to be. <laughs> yeah, it was a campaign for, I think, a release of The Hobbit that Denny's was doing a sort of a Hobbit special menu. And yeah, very, very funny. I think it actually played during Super Bowl or in the advertising lead up to it or something like was that. Was it the um, Smog's Fireburger TV commercial? It was one of those. But there were a couple at the time. And then they did a segment with me where I taught, taught, I had, I taught tutorials on how to speak Elvish, which was like, they were very strict about how I actually spoke it. There was a lot of pressure actually from that job, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But getting back to your question, genre, mm-hmm. I actually feel like I'm extremely adaptable. Like I, and I think that goes with being Australian to an extent as well. And I, I think I'm pretty, pretty capable to adapt to any genre, but I do really enjoy sci-fi. I enjoy it as a spectator and I enjoy it as a participator because I do think that in the sci-fi world, men and women are a lot more equal. And I think the roles for women are, you know, it's not the real world. It's an imagined world and we can do what we want with it. And I feel like that is a really fun playground to be in and very empowering. And I like that. So that side of things I really enjoy with horror. I think, uh, part of that was I obviously are doing the horseman straight out of uh, drum school is a horror thriller. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that definitely opened doors for me. And then when I was living in LA, I was basically just, you know, I was auditioning for lots of big productions as well, but I was totally like, I just want to work, you know, on anything. And I started booking some, you know, independent horror films that uh, some of them end up doing quite well and getting picked up distribution and, and, yeah, I, I I never went into it being like I want to work in this genre or that genre, but um, it you know it's there is a market for it, and I was kind of just willing to take jobs that I liked and that I got and wanted to do, and it just happened that they were in that genre. But it's been awesome with fans in the genre too, because I've certainly like had I think quite a few people follow like just kind of follow my career from watching those films and that's amazing there's a lot of people that really are into horror and um those genres and sci-fi obviously so yeah i'm 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 always just happy to work (laughs) probably probably not a bad niche to find yourself in when you end up there oh no not at all and and that said you know i've also worked on bates motel and the returned and uh, i'm in unreal coming out um i'm in the c season four for that show and and those are completely different they're not sci-fi or fantasy at all they're very real and um yeah so i i'm like i said i think it's adaptable but hey i i love playing in those magical worlds and futuristic and yeah sure thing so the role i first saw you in you were calliope on an episode of supernatural which is one of my wife's guilty pleasures in life. And she had a, she had a question for you. And that, uh-huh. and that was, was Jared Padalecki dreamy in person? Oh my God. He's more than dreamy. He's just like dream boat central. He's so <laughs> lovely. They both are him and Jensen. They're both, uh, just 
delightful people and um you know like they've been doing i mean i was in the 200th episode when i played calliope so i think that show had been running at least 10 years at that point oh yeah and and you know those guys they they show up they have so much energy it's really like a family that whole uh whole team on that the whole team do such an incredible job costume women were just absolutely awesome and the makeup artist too and i had the best time on that show and yeah he is absolutely lovely He's also he's like freakishly tall too, right? He's very very tall, yeah. Yeah. And of course, we had that. Mo- I I had the demon power where I'm able to make him move with my hands. Do you know that thing that the demons do on Supernatural? Yeah. That was pretty cool. I was like, I used to geek out over this show, and now I'm throwing Jared Padalecki against a wall. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that show's been on a long time. Oh yeah, no, I used to love it when I was living in Australia. I, I guess it was relatively new. I was. I remember what, I was really into it for a while, and I was like, man, I want to be on this show, and I want to play a demon. And I, you know, I just cannot. This is one of those moments you pinch yourself. It's like, That's awesome. <laughs> no, that, that really is awesome. Yeah, no, they, they you couldn't have got an, a nicer two gentlemen to lead that show and to do it for as long as they've been doing it. Like, just take my hat off to them. And then you just wrapped on The Magicians. Well, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. We'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. We're at episode eight, and there's a few more episodes yet in this season. But uh, essentially, yes, I, I have just been in a couple of episodes back from season one, so that's been a blast. Mm-hmm. And you play a character named Victoria. I do Victoria. She's a time traveler, or a traveler. It's, it's more than a time traveler. She travels through dimensions and to different worlds. And, uh, yeah, she's a pretty cool character. I've really loved where the direction for her has been going. Yeah, that's um, it's a really slick show, but it's it's very Harry Potter, so I have to struggle a little bit when I watch it sometimes. Yeah, it is like, well, when it first came out, people said Harry Potter for adults, which I, I do still think kind of um, is fairly accurate, but it's really become such its own thing now. The creators, Sarah Gamble and John McNamara, have done a fantastic job, and the whole writing team on there, like, you read a script and it's almost like, I need heart. Like, it's like reading hieroglyphics for a second. I'm like, wait, what? Like there's so many, uh, jokes in there and, uh, like phrases and words and they're very witty and they really have a great banter going. And I mean, I take my hat off to them because I think that takes a lot of skill to find a voice like that, a unique voice for a show Mm -hmm. like that. And they've done a really great job, and, and the fans have just been loving this season, and it's really great to be a part of. I, I'm, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better few episodes to come back into. Oh, that's amazing. And so you may or may not be a recurring character again on that show. Yes, we'll see. TBD. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, one of the reasons we're talking now is you've got a series about to start at the end of this month. Um, now, I don't know how much we can talk about this, so if I ask a question you can't answer it, just tell me to buzz off and we'll move on to something I'll say else. Pass. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so we got a show called Siren coming out on the 29th, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, and it is about, uh, mer people, mermaids, haunt, uh, not haunting, what was that, terrorizing? Uh, potentially, potentially, yeah. I yeah. mean, we basically all the marketing material tells us that there is at least one, potentially more than one mermaid, and they're dangerous, mm-hmm. and uh, but also very enticing, and uh, 
played by lovely, talented people. I can add that in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just that, yeah, it basically sends a small town that is known for its mermaid legend, uh, history. It kind of sends this town on sort of into a bit of a spiral of, of what's really going on, who knows about these people, who doesn't, like people start turning against themselves. Um, yeah, it all becomes quite exciting. So are these, are these sexy mermaids or are these like make you wreck your ship mermaids? What do we know? You know, I mean, they're, pl- I mean, the people playing them are very attractive people, but I don't think they're overly sexualized at all, which I love. I think they've done a really great job of keeping things mysterious and a bit sexy and a bit, um, you know, uh, definitely engaging, but that we're not, um, we're not over sexualizing any of the characters. And I think that's really healthy. I personally had enough of seeing stuff like that and I don't really watch stuff like that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, and it is for free form. So you, that, that probably, um, comes into it as well. But I think what they've created is very classy and really enticing. And I, I think people are genuinely excited to watch it. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like a really, a really strong idea for a show. Um, now being on free form, which used to be a ABC family, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they shooting for a teen audience or a young adult audience? Do you know what their, what their target market is they're going for here? That's a good question. So okay. yeah, a, a Freeform used to be ABC family. So they made pretty little liars. They also have beyond and I think the bold type, bold type right now as well. Um, uh, all very successful shows. Uh, and I would say they're aimed definitely at your, teens, late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. But then obviously with pretty little liars, I think that was pretty accessible to many, to a much bigger demographic. And I'm sure, I mean, my mom last night was like, I can't wait for siren. <laughs> uh, it, you know, so I, I think that I think it's been obviously like those younger audiences will uh, definitely be hit in the demographic that they're targeting. But I think it's a, a much more widespread than just that and accessible too. like, I think, it's a cool show. I think more people than just that age group are going to want to get into it. Oh, sure. Well, and it's about time somebody took the mermaid demographic serious on television. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly. And it's always fun to take an urban legend myth and kind of spin it on its head and, and make it a bit darker. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, and the actual old tale of the sirens, I don't even know if you'd call a siren a mermaid originally, but they'd sing a song. And mm-hmm. the sailors would think they saw beautiful women on the islands, and then they'd end up wrecking their boats and killing each other. And dying, yeah. yeah. So there's definitely – I mean, there's so many components to Siren in in the direction that the show could go in with all that um, mystical element and then the science of the oh, ocean sure. as well. So um, you'll have to tune in, Jeremy. Oh, absolutely. Well, I will be there. Well, this, this is going to raise an off-topic question for me that I do – Sometimes ask people who live in British Columbia, especially if I don't mind sounding foolish for a moment. Um, now, I know that in Australia there are cryptids, and some people believe the Tasmanian tigers are still running around in some places, and other unclassified animals still exist. But since you've been uh-huh. to British Columbia, have you seen a Sasquatch? I have not seen a Sasquatch, I can say that, but I have filmed out in some areas way out of the city where, um, you know, the, the legend is pretty 
strong there and and it's like an icon of the native community out there so it's like in their artwork and yeah that's kind of creepy like oh god can you imagine um but the interesting thing about sasquatch too is that that's in so many cultures i haven't seen one but that doesn't mean they don't exist (laughs) would you think that they exist what are your what are your feelings on our friend the sasquatch (laughs) I like I kind of am open to all beliefs. I don't have strict beliefs about a lot of that stuff. Um, believe that something like that would exist for sure. Should they be allowed to vote? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a silly oh, question. Well. Don't answer that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. So you also have a show. Okay, so this is one I didn't know, and I think it's one that literally just somehow never came across my desk. Colony, which has been around for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you're you're going to be on that pretty soon. Now, is this a first time you've been on that show? Yeah, Colony Season 3. So I'm uh, guest starring in that. And just released a new trailer, and it looks so badass. It looks really, really great. And it's starting in the spring. So I'm very excited for that. Great team on there. Josh Holloway, Sarah Wayne, uh, Sarah Jane Wallace, and Tori Kittles. Really great people. And, um, yeah, I, I'm... Um, really excited to see that all come together. And and I know that all the creators and the cast are saying they think it's their best season yet. So yeah, the scripts were really, really top notch and, and it was running really well when I was there. And, and I'm very excited to see what they do. That's about aliens, right? Yeah. So a, an alien invasion. And then it just, it's originally set in LA, but the season kind of sees things change up a little bit. And, um, and uh, you know, there's the element, of course, the, the danger of the aliens, but there's also how the people, you know, react to each other when when it all happens and the government's involvement, all that kind of stuff oh, that we've sure. been seeing develop in seasons one and two. So, yeah, I'm excited for this one. And that was a great show to be a part of. And, and yes, it's sci-fi, but it's a lot more action-based than fantasy, you know? Very high-stakes, survival, all that stuff. <laughs> okay. And uh so how and just just to follow my my stupid question suits that I'm running with here. How do you feel about aliens? Well, I was going to say before, like I'm kind of like that's what I mean, I'm sort of open to that like all those things really. It's going to make me sound so superstitious, but like I just kind of um believe that we really just know so little yeah. at the end of the day. Or maybe we do and it's just not given that information isn't given to the public. Now I oh. sound like a conspiracy theorist. No, I, I think that's. I think you can say that without sounding conspiratorial, <laughs> because really, that would all of a sudden make us really call into question everything we think about ourselves as a species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love I love exploring that in film too. I mean, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Arrival, that film that was. Out. Oh yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you've got one. Okay, so. On your website at hannahlevine.com, on your bio, and I don't know mm. if you want to talk about this because you wrote this, you didn't direct it, and it's not out. But you have a short film coming out called Hunting Season. Yeah, so I wrote it and I act in it, and I've been a big part of the sort of producing, putting together of it. Um, I didn't direct it. It's directed by uh, Canadian director Shannon Coley, who's been she's been directing on The Magicians, and she's directing on Shadowhunters uh, this new season. So, um, great team, and it was shot by Ellie Smolkin, who is the DP on The Magicians as well. So, really wonderful people involved, and um, yeah, it it is a fantasy short film that I wrote, and um, 
Yeah, it's got it's got some really cool elements to it, and it's been a really great experience for me to start uh, actually doing my filmmaking, which I'm very passionate about. But acting can be a very busy industry in itself, and uh, it's been hard to find the time to really make that a priority. But I made it happen last year somehow. <laughs> And, uh, and now we're almost finished up on that. So I'm excited to, we're, we're all excited to start putting that through the festival circuit and just kind of seeing where that takes us. Yeah. And now you've got a description here and I, if I'm saying too much, stop me, but you call it a, you wrote it in a feverish blank daydream. <laughs> yes. Can, okay. Can we say the blank? Is yeah. That what you're that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So it's got a unicorn in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a unicorn in it, a dangerous unicorn. I can say that. That is part of the film and part of the concept. Yeah, I. it's been a lot of fun. Definitely had its obstacles trying to make a unicorn uh, out of a real horse. We did not CG it. And, uh, yeah, it had its struggles, but it looks absolutely beautiful. Good, yeah, because you, you do have a picture of a unicorn on your on your site. So I, I was thinking, yeah. I, I hope it's not like a super secret because... No, 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 it's definitely not. And uh, if you follow me on Instagram... Uh, I definitely, I've, I've been posting a bit about that film and um, just about the process behind it. We did a huge crowd fundraiser for it. So it's really been a long, a, a real, you know, a labor of love and a long process getting that film off the ground. So yeah, definitely, especially if you're into filmmaking yourself, please come and take a look. And um, yeah, I'm always open to uh, reaching out to people that have questions about doing that and also taking guidance because <laughs> I'm definitely learning about all of that myself. Oh, sure. Um, all right. So now that, you know, we're kind of caught up to your career here, but let's talk for a minute before we wrap up about your future. What are, what are some roles or things you would like to, I mean, what are some roles you would like to play or, you know, character types you'd like to play? And what are, what are some things you would like to try to write or produce or direct on your own? Wow. Yeah, it's, I, I figured I'd narrow it down. You know? <laughs> I mean, when it comes to acting, I would love to play a role where I got to learn a skill that I'd never do uh, normally. Like, um, I would love to play a dancer or an athlete or uh, oh, yeah. something where I had a physical challenge as well. I think would be super um, – I think that would be an incredible experience. Um, I definitely, you know, I mean, that's, that's one thing that definitely comes to mind. Um, so yeah, putting that out there. I def I also really love period pieces. I loved Elizabeth growing up with Kate Blanchett, those sorts of roles in films where, you know, the female fighting the patriarchy and, uh, doing it in like a badass, crazy Elizabethan gown and then all that stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to play that? Sure. <laughs> And, uh, and then, um, I'd say for things I want to create, I mean, there's similarly, there are some films I would like to write about, um, yeah, uh, I think, um, I'm really interested in that, uh, athlete kind of mindset, uh, from a story perspective. I also really, um, love, uh, blending fantasy with reality. So that's what I've been doing in my short and that's short film. And that's something I'm really interested in taking a bit further as well. So I do really enjoy that sci-fi element of things. I love the visuals of sci-fi too. I mean, I follow NASA on my Instagram account and I just geek out. Like I love 
I love the colors and the, the light and all that sort of stuff. I, I really do enjoy that. So visually and aesthetically. So yeah, I, um, I'd love to create a good adventure sci-fi, uh, drama film. That is a, in like a new genre that I just created. <laughs> maybe, wait, hold on. So maybe you could play a robotic dancer in Victorian England. Yeah, and she went there because through some time portal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like you it. could be a steam robot, therefore you don't have to have time travel, but you could go steampunk <laughs> with it. Huh? Huh? Yeah, hey, yeah. Jeremy, we, we can make something here. I think we're on to something here. <laughs> um, and then before we wrap up, I do want to ask. Now, so you, you grew up in Australia, mm-hmm. you moved to L.A., and then to Vancouver, mm-hmm. and still travel between the three. What, if anything, was the largest sh- culture shock you had between place to place as you move around like that? Oh, well... Question. I think the first, well, the first thing was that I moved to LA right in March Madness. And I just had no idea what the hell that was. Oh, like, yeah. I just had never heard of it. And Australians not super into basketball. And, and I was just like, what the, ah, what is everyone talking about? That was a culture shock. I think just, um, in, uh, I mean, obviously the traffic in LA is crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something really obscure, but uh, I'm struggling. And then, um, again, coming to Canada, I, I mean, there were, it was like gold mine after gold mine. There's hot crust buns at Easter. I can buy Vegemite. I can buy Tim Tams. I, these probably sound like foreign things to you, which they are, but these are all like Australian food that you cannot really get in LA that all right. of a sudden I could get everywhere in Vancouver. So that was definitely a massive plus. But the rain in Vancouver was also a massive culture shock for me. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And I see for me, one of my things is the the Canadian pronunciation of canned pasta is canned pasta, which makes me giggle like a small child for I don't know what reason. You know, it just the, it that has, pronunciation makes you giggle. Oh, no, just it just it makes me fall to the point where friends of ours who are originally from Canada but live here in California, when they come back, they will bring me. Craft dinner and canned pasta, just just, just so you can say the name. They can yes, say the name just too. so I can turn red in the face and giggle like a, a, a school child. That is so funny. And then, um, of course, growing see. up in the states, we don't have the metric system here for some damned reason or another. So yeah, when I confusing. yeah when I'm in Canada and you know there are minutes where you're an American in Canada and you forget you're in a foreign country because it doesn't seem different. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah, until you try to figure out if 30 degrees is hot or cold, and then you're all flummoxed. I don't know how far away anything is. I don't know if it's hot or it's cold. <laughs> I've never really uh, committed myself to understanding Fahrenheit or miles and inches, and I just think it doesn't make sense, and I'm no. just committing to the way that it should be, which yeah. I apologize if that sounds offensive, but it, I'm just like, it makes so much more sense. It absolutely does. Look, when I was a little kid in the 70s and 80s, we were switching to the metric system, and then one day we stopped. We just like went, ah, you know what, never mind. And I'm like... Too hard to change. Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> but we were already growing up with it, so can we just... Nah, no, we're not doing it. So, oh, yeah. I, I don't know why oh. now. And now when I travel, I feel lost all the time. Just all the time lost. <laughs> I have to carry a calculator uh, with me everywhere to do all the math and figure out what's what. Yeah, it's just yeah those conversions are not the easiest. Either. No, they are not. No, they are not. <laughs> so, Hannah, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. 
Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I do want to ask you if uh, if our listeners want to follow you on your social medias, where can they find you at? They can find me on Twitter at Hannah Levine, on Instagram at Hannahsaurus Rex, which I know sounds childish, but uh, I'm sure if you look sounds me up as awesome. Hannah Levine, <laughs> I'm sure if you look me up at uh, as Hannah Levine, you'll find me on there. And then uh, I also have a Facebook page, which is um, just a good way to kind of keep track of everything, and that's at Real Hannah Levine on Facebook. Now, have you had a problem with fake Hannah Levines on Facebook? Well, there are a couple of other Hannah Levines out there, and uh, I mean, I I think if you really want to find someone in this day and age, you can. But yeah, absolutely, um, there's definitely a few other people with my name, which is not I wouldn't have thought it, but there is. So uh, yeah. Keep it real. <laughs> Darn straight. All right. Well, Hannah, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash thegeekishcast. And we're on Instagram, but I pretty much just share pictures of beer and greyhounds, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Which are both but, awesome things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just We actually just adopted a second greyhound here recently. And, oh, uh, awesome. and she's she's still very timid she's a blood donor and not a racer so she's very timid but um we're hoping she'll work out pretty well awesome well i'll have to find you on social media also yeah well i just followed you on twitter but i'll look for you on instagram a little bit later amazing yeah and uh everybody please go follow hannah and uh check out her show siren on march 29th and uh wait hold on Yes, I, my my wife is sticking her finger in the room to ask if ask if I asked ask you if, if Jared Padalecki <laughs> yes, was dreamy or not. Him. Yes, we did to <laughs> to great lengths. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, sorry, everybody. All right, guys. Just a quick reminder there. Hannah has changed several of her uh, social media identities to at Hannah Levine official, except Twitter, which is still at Hannah Levine. Hannah Levine being spelled H-A-N-N-A-H and Levine being spelled L-E-V-I-E-N. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a great time recording it, even though my mind was kind of in other places. We will be back soon. I have to rebook several guests because I had to break off several appointments due, obviously, to what's been going on with my family. Um, you know, if you're out there and you got a comic book or a web series or something you're working on and you want to come on and talk, shoot me an email, thegeekishcast at gmail.com. I'm sure I'd love to have you on. Everybody, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.